to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, a weekly discussion about the National Hockey League's Boston Bruins, affiliated minor teams, and prospects of tomorrow's stars. Moore fights to keep it in, does, has it in the corner to Sanderson, back in front door, shot, scores! Ray Bork. Score! Ray Bork from the face-off circle to the right of Reggie Lindland. Fired it down and Whitmore blew it. He bounces down to Bergeron. He takes the space, pulling it wide to the right of Tatar. The snapshot over to Rossi. gets loose and Bergeron scores. Patrice There are three ways you can support the show. We are available on Apple iTunes, SoundCloud.com, and on TheHockeyWriters.com, located in the podcast channel of the website. Now here's your hosts, Mark Allred and Rob Tomlin. Hello, Bruins fans. I'm Mark, and welcome back for the 44th episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, brought to you by Beast from the Northeast Sports Clothing Company. The great people at Beast from the Northeast pride themselves on using the highest quality apparel to showcase their one-of-a-kind designs that you won't find anywhere else. For a special listener discount, go to beastfromthenortheast.bigcartel.com and enter the promo code BLACKANDGOLD for 15% off future orders. Now time to properly start the show by introducing co-host Rob Tomlin. Rob, how are you, buddy? I'm good, buddy. I've been waiting all week for this to happen. Uh, I I have too. Um, I wish we could have uh, done something earlier in the week, but um, uh, uh, the time difference and work schedules uh, didn't work out. But uh, the biggest news of the week was uh, Tuesday morning uh, when the Boston Bruins uh, released uh, Claude Julian of his coaching duties after 10 years behind the bench. Um, it was... Uh, for us, the way we talked about it in the past, it's not shocking. No. But the time, for me personally, was shocking. Um, yeah. I, I, I just, I, I used to be a huge Patriots fan. I'm, I'm really not anymore because of the whole deflate gate this, deflate that, and you know you cheated. I'm so sick of hearing it. I just kind of lost fo- touch with football, but. Yeah. I, I just thought it was kind of classless to to use the attention that the Patriots were getting from the media on the parade day to schedule a press conference. Yeah. So, and yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that later on. But um, just, uh, we knew it was going to happen. We yeah. definitely, we, we called it. I mean, it was in the we right... We called it about 10 shows ago, I think. Right. Yeah. It was, you know, the writing was on the wall when Cassidy was, was was brought up to back up Julian as an assistant coach and Jay Pandolfo below him. Um, you know, that day, that first game this season, you know, that was, that was Claude's leash. And if he didn't yeah. make or break it, it, you know, he had the guy next. So... Yeah, and he was on... I think you were guaranteed that he was going because he basically had a game-by-game contract this year, did Claude Julian. 
and I think people were shocked that he didn't go when they lost three in a row. Um, people were shocked that he didn't go when they lost against the bottom standing team at the time, the New York Islanders. Um, so, yeah, it's like it is a shock, but at the same time, like I just think it's a good thing. Definitely. It it means that the Bruins will get a different style and doing it halfway through a season may make us a better team going forward. Yeah. So. Um the, the the time the timing for me, not not particularly as a parade, and I'll get into that a little later, but um it's a little off. I, I think that if they if they if they from what I'm reading and from what I'm understanding is that this is this isn't just a this year thing. This is yeah. th- this process or discussion in the room, in management's you know you know office team office has been going on since 2011. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of reports coming out that if they didn't beat Montreal in that in that se- um, in that series, and and didn't go to the Stanley Cup final, that you know the, the coaching staff would have been fired by then, but. Julian comes back and wins. Yeah. Go, you know, he's he's playing for his job. He goes to the um, Stanley Cup final against the Blackhawks in 2013. So he continues to keep it going. But after that, it was it was pretty much the the downfall of his um, of his uh, Bruins career anyway. Yeah, um, and and I know sometimes we say that. Claude Julian wasn't given the best team to win. But at the same time, he should have been winning more than he was. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think that's one thing to get clear. Like, yes, he doesn't have the best team, but does he have an above 500 team? Yes. Does he have a like fringe playoff team? Yes. So I think the team should be doing better than they are, and we've seen in this week's games that they can do. Um, I just think it's it's better for both the Bruins and Claude Julian that it happens like now instead of at the end of the season like I thought it would happen Um, Claude Julian's free to go and find a different team now especially with some of the teams uh, recently sacking their coaches Uh, and also the fact that there's the Golden Knights in Las Vegas who are looking for a coach. So it's a possibility that he could go there and be a really good coach for some new guys that haven't played as much NHL time. So um, I think it's good for like both sides, like I said. So, But uh, at the same time, like it's, it's sad to see him go because it's been such a long time behind the bench. Um... And I think it's going to be a bit strange to see a less defensive style of play from the Bruins. Yeah, um, you know, Julian stayed in the system uh, with the team for ten years. Uh, he coached uh, 759 games, um, which a lot of people and a lot of fans they they reach out to me and they say that um, it was kind of crappy the way they did it because he only had 13 games to coach. To tie Art Ross' um, complete coaching games, um, you know, record, 
and yeah. fo- 14 to pass. So, in reality, that could have happened this year. And yeah. a lot of fans are, are really disrupt. you know, they're disturbed by that. And, I, I you know, I, I, in the best way I could say this to them was, this is a business. It's not an individual, yeah. it's not an individual effort. You know, if, if you're not winning as a team... Changes have to be made, and unfortunately, the, the coaching, the coaches are always the ones that are, are going to go because you can't fire players, and 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 nobody in today's NHL is going to lay down the law and and blow up the team just for the fact of making moves to see and show that the organization is actually doing something to better itself. So, yeah, I I saw someone put it in in one of them like a picture with words on it like a meme type thing and it said um, would you pass the puck on a surefire empty net goal or would you seal the game and that's kind of what they've done Yeah, they've sealed the game instead of like I, I just don't see why we should lose the games that we have been losing and not hold anyone responsible and the, the way I say this is First of all, the coach is usually the one to go because it's hard to get rid of players. Um, especially like with this team, the guys who weren't performing, the the Jimmy Hayes and guys like that, you, you can't just trade them away because it takes two to make a trade. Right. So, and you can't sack them because they're under contract. So, like, like what do you do? So you go for the coach, or you go for the GM, or you go for the president. That's that's the way it goes. But I can't believe I've been seeing people saying that, um, like Neely and Sweeney should go because they fired a coach. Like this this coach has played in the organization for ten years. I think he's had his time. Like it's not like the guy's been around half a year and not been given a chance and fired. Right. The guy's had his time. He's won his cup. He's not good. He's not going to win another one with this team. Even if he was still in charge, he wasn't winning another cup with this team. Not the way it was going. Well, so the Julian is currently under contract for the remainder of this season and all yeah. of next season. So, um, if anything has to happen, it's gonna it's gonna have to go through um, ownership. If so, yeah. if a team really wants him, I mean, come on, the guy's got a Jack Adams in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and a Stanley Cup in two thousand eleven. He's going to be a high commodity on the market, and and like you said, teams are going to be banging down the door. But from what my understanding is, yes, the the Vegas Knights, I believe, have reached out and and asked for an interview. Um, but also a team like. Uh, Montreal has been rumored to uh, be making those phone calls as well, but yeah. I, I I can't see ownership giving them letting the up, him go to Montreal. It's a division rival. Yeah. I I don't, honestly don't see them going anywhere in the in the um, in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, but if they did go to Montreal, could they not? They can get compensation for it. Can't they don't do that anymore. That is over. No? Oh. The last year of compensation was last was it was the, I think I believe it was last year or the year before when um, Shirelli 
So Shirelli was the last guy to be a compensation. Pretty much, yep. Yeah. And we get the that second round pick this year. Yeah. Pretty good. But yeah, I, I think I think they'll let him go, but like you said, they'll they'll block they'll block out rivals in our own division. Who knows, they might give it to like someone like Colorado. Yep. They're in need of a new coach and a new style of play. And he's got like, ties. He's got and, ties to that organization too, because he played for Quebec. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I could see that happening definitely. It's, they they want to play a more defensive style of game, and there's there's no other coach out there that's going to play as defensive as Julian is. And I wish him all the best of luck. Yeah. Same like, here. I don't. I don't hate the guy. I've, I've never hated the guy. I've hate. I, I've got sick of his style of play. And the fact that it doesn't work anymore. Yeah, there's um, a fine there's a well, fine line between hating somebody and being frustrated. Yeah. Me, I was frustrated oh, yeah. with the guy because he, he he just favors he he favored his veterans so much in key situations when when two points were really just just out there to reach, and he go for the guys that he knew that have helped him in the past and screw the younger guys that. Might be faster, quicker, and a little stronger, but I, I, those are the times that frustrated me about him, and 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 just the the, the way he he coached the system, you know. I, I I love having a defensive team, but there's a there's a point where you're, you're you're preaching defense too much that you're not scoring goals, and and please yeah. tell me I'm wrong because you know the product on the ice dictates what I'm seeing. Yeah. And the best thing about it was, like, I I was calling for this. I think two two shows ago, I said that if anyone was to get the next call up from Providence, it'd be Cleric. Yeah, he did too. Great call. Yeah. Great and then call. as soon as I saw, like, the whole because you got to understand, I was halfway through my shift at work, like when all this started going down uh I, I was halfway through a 14 hour shift i just sat down for my lunch and i looked at my phone and it says julian's been fired as the coach so i'm kind of sat there thinking right what do i do because right to be honest i wanted to message you straight away <laughs> um there was a few other people that i wanted to laugh at for like some of the stuff they were saying on twitter and everything <laughs> but i really didn't have the time so right. um and then the next day we get the news that Clehert's got the call up and like I, I saw the whole um which game was it for? The the Sharks game that he was gonna be playing on the fourth line. But he didn't. He got scratched at the last minute. Right. Um and the thing is, I, I I was happy that he got scratched because when they were saying oh, he would be playing on the fourth line, I was like, hmm, I could see him playing higher than that, and him being put with Krejci and Pasternak, and not a lot of people realise that that is a full Czech Republic line now. Yep, sure yeah. is. Uh, uh, they they play really well, and it's good to see like these young guys, like Klerik's what twenty two. Yes. Yeah, so it, it, another young guy who's proved he's doing well down in Providence. He's given a ch- chance up here. That's what I want to see. 
I want to see gaps being filled with young players and give it like if they play well down in Providence let them come up see if they do well if not go back down because Kleherik's not not waiver eligible for the rest of the season right he's on the ELC yeah and uh and he played and he's a versatile forward so he can play both sides of the of the wing which is an asset right now for the Bruins because um Definitely step in for those days that Jimmy Hayes needs to sit on the ninth floor and watch from above. Yeah, but don't be calling that too soon. Yeah, I know. Because he keeps he's playing. Play, he's playing good. Yeah, I know. Yeah. He, he definitely is stepping it up in his in, in other areas of the game. His point production's a little still not there, but you could definitely see the intensity pick up. Um, but you've seen the confidence grow in the players that haven't been playing well. Yeah. Absolutely. Like you've seen it pop up, Krejci's playing played a lot better since the firing. I think that's because he's been unleashed as the like offensive force that he is. Like we saw it with that with that stop and turn in the Vancouver game. Um, like he's got free reign to do what he wants as a player, and it's really good to see that with players. Um, like Kevin Miller, who's not known for putting up points. Pinching has in. put up put up a couple of like good goals this season. Yep. And he's got a rocket of a wrist shot as well. So um but it, it's those players that have struggled to play that are doing quite well under this new system. And I think that's what you'll see. You'll see you'll see some players probably hurt more. Um you guys like you probably you know Lachari's um you're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. You can catch our show on the Hockey Writers Podcast channel, available at thehockeywriters.com. You more heavy, grindy type of guys won't play as well in a, in a offensive system. Right. But at the same time, those like playmaking players that you've got that have been playing badly because you've been playing a defensive game, they're the guys that are going to step up and get the points now. And I'm excited to see what happens. Absolutely. Um, the the did, did you have a chance to listen to the press conference at all? Um, I listened to bits of it, but it was uh, I was struggling to get the video because it kept telling me I couldn't access it in my country. Oh, that figures. Yeah. Um, I just just want to tie, and and I'm not jumping on Sweeney. I I I, I know I talk about my displeasure for him often but this is why and I, I and I got four four things that I wrote down on notes just from listening to him and how the vibe he gave off to the media uh, you could definitely tell he does not like being in the spotlight at all and oh, yeah. and he fires, he's definitely a backroom guy right and he fires back Immediately, you know, he feels like it's being. Uh, he he takes a defensive approach, yeah. but um, uh, so, like, like he said that he didn't pick the day and time to have the presser and blamed it on his PR staff. You know, yeah. now to me, if I'm looking at the if if I'm looking at the chain of command, okay, you go ownership, you go executive partners, and you this and that. And then right below that, there's a general manager. Yeah. Now, way below all that is your PR. PR department. 
I would think that he'd have the say over them. Yeah. And it's like, you know, that's like me telling my boss, I'm not taking lunch anymore at noon. I'm taking it at 10 in the morning. And him going, yeah. Exactly. Okay. So that's another deflect right there that I, I didn't understand. And, uh, and Sweeney said that he took a few days to figure out where the organization was going and, and, and when to make the change. Well, you lost against Washington the week prior. And you had two days off on Thursday and Friday, and then had a game on Saturday. Now you lost both of the, both of those games. So, and then you had Sunday and Monday. You had all those. You had all that time right there to do something, but you yeah. didn't feel the appropriate time was then. But you you think that the time to do it was right to start, and 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 the timing was beautiful. Not to me, but it was just it was as soon as the parade was going, that's when they started the press conference. So yeah, I, I just and wasn't wasn't he late into the press conference as well? Oh, I, I watched I watched the video and it was like uh, thirty nine minutes. Yeah, the camera was rolling and I'm sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting, and then you can see. Uh, uh, I know so, Haggerty Haggerty was stood at the side. Yep. He was, uh, he was rocking on his phone. Was, yeah, someone said he was tweeting nonstop. Oh yeah, through the beginning of the presser when no one showed up. And then uh, thirty-nine minutes later, he comes in and he's just you know he's just regular him. Um, and the, the third one that I got was he said that he wanted to evaluate players on an individual level, so the coach pretty much had to be removed. Now you're the GM again. And you're an, yeah. you're an organization in the National Hockey League. Even if the coach was there, even if Julian was still there or is not there, you still have the right to evaluate them on a day to day basis. Why do you need the coach to be fired to start your evaluation? <laughs> I just uh, it is definitely kind of getting fans lost in business talk. It's and awful. It it's it's like politics talk, like how the how the politicians always do it. Yeah, it, it deflects. They'll, they'll talk. Yeah, they'll just like, oh, don't look here, look over there. Yeah, all the time. That's like and, that's like me and you being goaltenders. All right, oh, yeah. our best opportunity to get a rebound away from everybody is to deflect it to the boards. Yeah, he just takes that rebound and shoves it right down the alley in between the hash marks and just. Leaves it there like a feeding frenzy. What what are people like us supposed to do? We're not supposed to say, "Oh my God, he didn't say that," and he and he's right. It's just ridiculous. The thing is, like, I I, I don't really like I I kind of like what Sweeney's doing. I not in the way of the firing and the the whole timing of it, but in his approach to how this like this team is going the kind of like we'll keep our assets for now because no one no one on this team is truly valuable that doesn't have a no movement clause so there's no there's no real trading possibilities because people keep saying to me like why don't they trade Chara? why don't they trade Krejci why don't they trade Bergeron and Marshall you can't 
you you physically can't go out there because those guys don't want to leave either. There's no way you're going up to Chara and asking him to leave a city that he's got housing in, he's got his real estate license in, he's not going to leave the city through his choice. No. So, like, you've got this team, you can't really trade anyone except for the young kids, and you can't trade the young kids because the GM before you did that and got screwed. Yep. So, So what do you do? What you do is you go through the draft. And he's doing that perfectly. But at the same time, I think Sweeney should Sweeney should be promoted to president as a backroom guy. Doesn't have to talk to the media. Keep him out of the way. And then bring in another GM to go over things. Like, it's okay. I, I think Sweeney would be better doing what Neely does now. Which is nothing. Kind of, yeah, but we all know Neely's like a puppet master and he's oh, trying to like hang over the top, but have, have Neely do that. Uh, have Sweeney do that. Sorry, because he's going about this the right way with the drafting and what they want to do at the draft and who they want to pick up and then have a GM come in for the, the whole, the rest of it, like the trades and how he wants the like team running. Yeah. Because the way I see it is, Nearly does nothing right now except for anger the fan uh, fan base. Exactly. And I think the main reason a lot of people get pissed off with the Jacobs family is because of uh, of Neely. Like it, it seems that it's all settled around the Jacobs family and Neely. Mm-hmm. And then Sweeney's just recently come into it because he got promoted to GM. But he's been in the organization for how long? Oh, about 10 years, over. And no one's ever mentioned him before he became GM. Well, the the other the other fun thing about that, they, um, the press conference, yeah. was, uh, and this drove me nuts. And I know people make mistakes. I'm not good with names. I'm not good with a lot of things. But uh, Sweeney kept calling... Bruce Cassidy, Butch. Yeah, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance <laughs> oh my Kid. God, I'm yeah. like, if I had a clicker, I would have counted probably twenty or thirty of them. But the he, thing he, is, he did mix it up though. He'd say, he'd say Butch, Bruce and, and Butch. then say Bruce. <laughs> See, I know I've done this before on the podcast because I've gone back and listened to like bits of it the day after and gone, hang on a minute, I'm. Pretty sure I just called him Butch. Yeah, yeah. But at the I same think I time, I remember like, that too. <laughs> yeah, the, like it, it's so close. Like you've got to just find that funny. You can't find that like. But oh my god, there's going to be so many memes out there. Right. Yeah. All right. So just real quick, I just want to um, throw out. I doubt he listens to our podcast, but if he does, uh, thank you very much, Claude Julian. Um, the 2011 Stanley Cup was uh, unbelievable. It was my first in my lifetime, so um, and he had a big part of doing that. And his 419 wins, which is a franchise record, 246 losses and 94 uh, overtime losses, I believe that's what they're called. Um, but you know, uh, fans are gonna miss him. Uh, but it's it's time to move on and and moving on to. Uh, the Bruce Cassidy era or internship air quotes um, 
Do you know much about Bruce at all in his past? Uh, no, I'm not 100% sure on Butch. Well, let me, let me fill you in because I took some notes yesterday and this morning. Um, he did coach in the NHL before. He has a 45-45-9 record with the Washington Capitals. He coached from the 2002-2003 season into the 2003-2004 season. And uh, after going 8-16-1 in 25 games in 2003-04, uh, Cassie was fired and the Caps did not qualify for the playoffs. And guess what happened when he... When the um, he pretty much helped the uh, the Capitals uh, not make the playoffs, but guess what happened that that year? What well, the Bruins did? No, the Bruins didn't do anything. Yeah. That that was the year that the Washington Capitals had the first pick, and they picked Alexander Ovechkin. Yeah. So that's it, not too bad. No, it's not bad at all. But I just want I wanted to throw that in there to see how long to give fans and listeners an idea how long it's been since he's coached. Oh, yeah. So he's 51 years old. Um, he spent five, he spent uh, six seasons, uh, seven seasons with the Providence Bruins, two of them as an assistant coach and five as a, um, a head coach. And in 380 games coach with Providence, he's 207, 128 losses, 45 um, overtime losses. That is a good record. It's not bad. It's not bad at to all. To say it's with Providence. Yep. And they haven't been the greatest team right. in the past. So, uh, he's he's coming in, and I personally, as a fan, I want to see him bring in his own ideas. Yeah. And I can see a little bit of what he's doing in the previous two games um, last week. What I don't want him to do is I don't want the organization to be on top of him breeding, I mean, uh, not breeding, preaching and preaching defense. And I don't want him to get habits of what Claude taught him. Um, The direction I want to see this team go in is the one that I've been saying since we started this podcast. You've got to get more offensive. You've got to be more... Uh, fluent throughout your four lines. Four lines of scoring. Yeah, and I believe that this might be a start to that. And yeah. I know it's a small sample size with 20-some-odd games left for Cassidy to audition, but if he can get to these players and, 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 and finish a solid end of this year, um, he could be the guy that takes the job. Now... I'm not saying I, I'm particularly thrilled with that because I, I, I I'm not thrilled with his, with his um his coaching record in the NHL so far. So that kind of you know has me going one way. But from what I've seen in two games last week that he coached against the San Jose Sharks and Vancouver, there were things of 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 that nature that they that this team wants to go in a direction like that. And so. I mean, in those two games, you got to remember we scored ten goals. So, and what was what was the San Jose score? Six, six four? to three, six to three. So, 
we the goals are ten four and seven against. Yep. Oh no, ten four and six against. Sorry. Um. So that's the. It's good. It's not great. Uh, it, it is good on the offensive side, scoring ten goals in the last two games when your teams struggled all season to score. Yep. Um, the the six goals are a bit iffy, um, but you had Hudobin in for one of them games. Yeah. And he didn't play too bad. Like I, I saw people kind of say, "Oh, here we go." when a couple of the goals went in. But some of them weren't, like, one of them was a rebound, and he he put the rebound to the boards. There was just a guy right there. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't much he could do against it. Another one was, like, the giveaway um, in the slot was a really bad goal. Um, there's, there's just, like, two of them goals you couldn't really do much about. The defense weren't playing the best game. I think they're still getting used to the system and how they're breaking the puck out. You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. You can catch our show on the Hockey Writers Podcast channel, available at thehockeywriters.com. Because the way that they're breaking the puck out is a hell of a lot different to how Julian was doing it. Oh, for sure. Because you got two, two rolling D. So you got one goes behind the net to pick the puck up, the other curls the other side. And then you've got a centre coming back to pick the puck up while two wingers cross over in the offensive zone. Like, to me, I struggled to keep up with it, and I, I'm, i like, 100% into watching strategies and trying to learn how teams play. Yeah. So it was confusing for me. Um, they, they just looked like they got a bit lost at times. Yeah, the um... and and again they're relying too heavily on the puck moving skills of Tory Krug. We need another defenseman who can scare the puck out. Right, but at the same time, Colin Miller has stepped up. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 definitely playing. I like Colin Miller. I know a lot of people don't, but um... yeah, but that. That Vegas Knights team are calling. I know, and I don't. Especially wanna, if I, he plays good, I don't want to see it happen. But um, the one thing, and I can't take credit for this, and I'm not sure who said it. I should have wrote it down. But uh, I was sitting there watching the game in my office as I was writing a few articles for the uh, Black and Gold Um I was, I noticed that the the forwards were were not standing back waiting for the opposing players to cross that red line and attack them yeah and i wish i remember this guy's name on on facebook i think it was in a group i'm not sure but uh he said look at look at the forwards they're above the red line and they're attacking which yeah. which which shut down the neutral zone play immediately and I, I i i didn't say much about it the first game because i knew it was an adjustment period but then I saw it in the uh, Vancouver game on Saturday afternoon, and again I was impressed with a neutral zone shutdown, which which has been a problem for this team for I don't know how many years. They let passes go by too much because they're so far behind. It's almost like they got yeah. all five players 
you know back on the blue line right yeah. and they're just letting them come right in and i think that's wrong because you know you you, you have so much momentum coming through that that zone and you you know you you're carrying the play faster than the bruins can get back to the goal so i kind of thought that that was an impressive um thing to see yeah. Uh, well, remember when the New Jersey Devils used to be the trap? No, yeah, they used to be known as one of the best teams defensively because they just played the trap all the time, right? And it was disgusting. And then the Bruins started doing it in a time where the trap doesn't really work. Uh, but now you you see them playing that um, they call they call it like a three-two-four check where yep. two forwards up beyond the the opposing blue line your centerman stays on the red line and then you've got your two defensemen stay between the red line and your blue line and you shut down that neutral zone and they did it so well no one really got in behind um the only times it happened was through stupidity with the puck on our side it wasn't really like anyone passed through the entire team, um, they see they seem to have picked it up really well, um, and I think that that kind of system is built for this team because you you've got good four checkers out there, and you've got guys who can use the body and speed get the puck off players. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, go like this morning I went back and I watched uh, the Vancouver game from last night again. And, uh, like, two guys that amazed me were Frank Vetrano just playing a total all-round game, uh, was good on the boards without the puck, trying to get it back, um, used a lot of speed, a lot of physicality for his size. And then Peter Kleherik again, mm-hmm. like... It, how good is he at stripping people of the puck? Yeah, he was like that down in Providence. He's a big yeah. guy, uh, you know. I, I, a skilled powered winger. I, I, I'd like to say. I, I mean, if I could use oh, yeah. my own version of uh, my evaluation, but um, yeah. I mean, there's there's so many positive signs in this team and what's coming through. I, I you know, I, I like and what this I'm seeing. Is- this is before we're even getting the whole like draft class of the past few years to come through. Exactly. Because that's next year. Yep. That's when guys like Zaboral and Lawson and everyone like that are available for both Providence and the Bruins. Exactly. And I mean, we don't know if any of the college kids are deciding to go pro. Um, but I, like with the college kids, I don't think they really decide until after camp do they uh, or is it before camp well it's the development camp the college kids have uh, their opportunity to be yeah. a part of the um, um, organization but they can't go to pro camp can they because they they're still yeah. if they do appear in pro camp they they, um, they forfeit their uh, scholarship yeah. Or their ability or eligibility to play again. So development camp is their time uh, in uh, June, July. I think it's in July. Yeah, because I went last year, so it was July. But um, I think we've got, haven't we got ten 
we got over ten college prospects now. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and that's they're crazy numbers to say like you've probably got what ten to fifteen like young Canadian kids coming through, like Canadian juniors and foreign team mm. juniors coming through in the next few years, and then you've got ten college prospects coming through as well. Yeah, that's like thirty-five. Well, twenty-five to thirty guys, all coming through at the same time. Well, if you if you if you look at it, if you look at the list of prospects, there's only three of them. One, two, there's only four of them right now that are playing in the Canadian juniors. But yeah. prior to that, there was a lot more. Yeah, and especially since. Uh, the organization didn't select any Canadian juniors at all in last year's draft. They prim- primarily went to uh, college players. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It sets a tone on where they're going to lie uh, in availability without restrictions. So, and like I said in a podcast or two ago, four, four or five of the top. Um, NCAA scorers are all undrafted. Yeah, and who's shown more love to college players than any other team? Yeah, pretty much. The Bruins, Boston, yeah. You yeah, a list so, of players. Yeah, and I mean, like we've been saying as well, it, this is all, only going to be good for the. Well, this is going to be good for the ECHL as well, because. I truly believe if some of our higher-end prospects that don't make the Providence Bruins go to the ECHL, they'll see a rise in people watching them. Because mm-hmm. I know I've watched, I've watched a f- quite a few Atlanta Gladiators games since them becoming part of the Bruins organization. Um, and there's only Dan Vladar really down there. Yeah. So it's not like I'm watching Bruins prospects because they're connected to the Bruins. When that's the only thing on Bruins related, I'll switch it on. Yep. So whereas before I wouldn't have. So I mean, I know us two will start watching ECHL games if there's more players down there next season, and especially if it changes from Atlanta to somewhere else. Yeah, hopefully Worcester, like we've been talking about many times. Yeah, you know, that'll be you, good. You get uh, you get the product. I mean, the the East Coast Hockey League isn't. It's just an affiliation, so the Bruins don't own the team. But if yeah. you if the team and the organization franchise, whatever you want to call it, does come up into an area in a market like the Bruins, that just that's just going to be so much more. It's going to be better for the. For the community, but to have it Bruins related, that's going to be huge. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, it's it's just like when San Jose was here, when the AHL affiliate was, you know, in Worcester. Yeah. You know, San Jose is, you know, what is it, two thousand miles away, and you know, your market in Massachusetts is good because it's 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 New England so invested in the hockey, but. You know, you, you, if you don't have the brand, you know what I'm saying, the team name and, yeah. and where you're coming from, not there. It's it's tough to to draw a crowd. But if Worcester does become an a Bruins affiliation, um, I could definitely see a good turnout and you know, cheap tickets, good for kids. 
and and, and hopefully, like I, t- I talked about a while ago, that this might be a hub that they they could um, stockpile prospects. Yeah. And if 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 players aren't aren't cutting it in the AHL, changes will be made. You know, you go down to the lowest league and technically in professional hockey. So, yeah, um, and. I mean, it'd be amazing if they were called the Worcester Bruins as well. Like, I, I, I know I'd love to see that if they were affiliated with the Bruins. You got the, uh, you got the Boston Bruins, the Providence Bruins, and if you had something like the Worcester Bruins, it'd just add to that kind of that brand. I don't know if they would do. They, I, I, I guarantee they'll call them some. Something else. But, yeah, they've uh, already they've already established a name. Yeah, it's the Worcester so. Worcester Railers. Yeah, and it's uh the colors are like a blue, gray, white, and it's um got a train on the front of it. So yeah. nice, nice looking jerseys. Yeah. But uh, all right. So last week the Bruins um, came out in fashion. So the so the Bruce Cassidy. Tenure, intern, whatever you want to call it, is off to a two and zero start, and so let's talk about the uh, the, the games or, or game uh, this week, which is, happens to be tonight, and, and a very important one. Um, this is actually the last meeting that these two bitter rivals will see each other in the 2016-17 campaign, and and that's the Montreal Canadiens coming to town. For the puck drop at seven thirty tonight, um, always a intense game. I've I've had chills since I woke up this morning on my arm. Yeah. I, I I really get up for these games. I haven't been impressed about them lately because of the the win loss against these two teams and how bad the Bruins have been the past couple seasons. But um, the uh, the Habs are, are in first place in the in the Atlantic Conference, fifth in the Eastern Conference. Um, they got a 31-18-8 record. They're 70 points. The the one thing that I want to see them t- the Bruins take advantage of tonight is not only the way they've been playing, and it's tough because both of these teams played last night. So you, there's a, there's a there's a high potential that there's going to be some sloppy hockey. Yeah. But the be- the best part about this is. Bruins started at one. Montreal started at a regular schedule time seven. at seven yeah. o'clock. So there might be a little advantage there. But like I said, I mean, it's a real small time for Cassidy to get video and get into this Montreal Canadiens team, uh, find where they're exposed, and 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 run with it because, um, especially when they're coming to the TD Garden. The, the Habs have a 13, 14, and 4 road record. You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. You can catch our show on the Hockey Writers Podcast channel, available at thehockeywriters.com. So, yeah. you know, definitely need to take advantage of that. Uh, and I said last night that they lost, they played St. Louis and they lost 4-2. to two. And yeah. the Habs haven't been playing all that great. They've they got three wins, five losses, and two overtime losses in the last ten games. So, dropping points. Yeah, yeah, and it's a for me. It it's a bad time of the year, good time for us, but bad time of the year for them to to be dropping like this. 
And, Montreal, uh, aka the leaky bucket. Yeah, because like they always start dropping points late on in the season. Right. When was the last time they won a President's Trophy? Oh man. Because it, for like the last ten years, I'm pretty sure they've been first in the conference. Like every single year, looking like they're going to be dominant, and then they just drop points. Yeah. Because, oh, well, except last year where they dive bombed and sucked but I mean I I really think that the Bruins are going to go out with a different look tonight and really be aggressive um, David Back has been on that first line <laughs> like he's been playing very physical um, so I, I'm reckoning that he's going to go in there like a wrecking ball and just crush someone uh, David Pasternak's been throwing his body around a lot as well. Oh yeah, and he's and he's been on fire lately too. Yeah. Well, so. I saw um, Marshand and Bergeron had like seven points in seven games, mm-hmm. and David Pasternak. Oh, they I think they had a seven-game point streak or something. Okay. And then David Pasternak had seven points in six games or something, but like wasn't on a point streak was right. on like a one game point streak so it's nice to see him involved and not you know the times when he didn't have a goal in 19 games yeah did you not the, you know the the giveaway yesterday by Pasternak oh I saw that, that. Goal. Oh, did I that not that. give you a flashback of like last year it did when we were dogging him for keeping doing it because all he did was Colin Miller was it, calling for that too yeah he was but calling was for such, that it was such a like, like I've seen that happen like five times at least with oh, David yeah. Pasternak, where he goes round the back of the net with so much speed, just throws the puck out, and you're like, oh, just don't do that, please. No, I've 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 seen that many times from David Pasternak as a young yeah. player, continuing to develop. But there's a lot of times that I've seen veteran David Krejci do that. Oh yeah. So I'm not gonna yeah. I'm not gonna completely crap on Pasternak for making a mistake like that when when uh, veterans of this team do it quite often and you yeah. know too often I guess. And um, uh, didn't Jimmy Hayes have two points last night? He did. I I, I mean I, oh, I I I thought it was just one. Oh, it might be just one, but I know he. Oh no, that's what I was gonna say. He was involved in the whose goal was it? He, he drove the net on one of the goals and kind of just took the D-man out of the play. And I can't remember whose goal it was. Um, oh, Kevin Miller's. Yeah, Millsy? Kevin Miller's goal. He uh, Basically, when they came in, he just... Hayes filled the, like, the lane, took the D-man with him, kind of just bodied him out of the way of the net, and then Millsy just ripped it. It was so. it was uh, Colin Miller's fourth goal in the third yeah. period at two twelve, and he's that got, is uh, he's got his second assist. And he took a big hit to make that play as well. Yeah, like he took a big hip check along them boards. So he's definitely showing that he wants to be part of the team still. Doesn't want to be stood up there in that box. Um. Uh, Real, real quick, going back to the Montreal uh, Bruins game tonight. Uh, the uh, looking at trends and and stats, uh, 
it's it's funny that this team is like offensively challenged um, since the 2017 calendar year turned. Um, the only player that's um, actively scoring points in a regular basis is Max Pacioretty, and he's got three goals, three assists, and six points in his last two games. Wow. So, and he's the only one that's really providing any offense, so that's good. Um, you just shut him down then. Yeah, exactly. Two guys on Max Pacioretty and let everyone shoot. And the uh, the other one is Carey Price. I, I, I like this goaltender. I think he's a, he's a good kid. He's a um, solid netminder, just on the wrong team. Uh, yeah. He's got one win in his last four games, and in those four games, he's got an 875 save percentage, and he's given up 13 goals in those four games. Not good. And in his last 10 games, he's 3-6-1. and one. So we the Bruins has just got to buckle down and take advantage of that. There's no excuses. You just got to, you know... Fire it on net. If you got time to take a look and and, and, and aim, let's not aim for that CH and his and his, oh, and his yeah. chest protector. Let's let's try to get some um, you know some angles that might you know get price off of his game and get a couple past them because you know I mean, if you get one or two in the first period, you're you're already ahead of yourself on confidence, and you, yeah. you know you got the home crowd so. The problem with Price is the more easy saves you let him make, the more chance he has to make the difficult saves later on in the game. Right. Because he's one of them goalies. If you warm him up, he's, he's going to kill you later on. Um, it's the same with Tukaras, though. If He's the t- same type of player. If you get in his head early on with an early goal, he's not going to play as well. Um, so, and we all know Tukaras and Hudobin haven't played great recently. I mean, Hudobin didn't play great yesterday. He did okay. He got the job done. Um, Tukaras didn't play extremely well in the San Jose game. Um, it, it's just one of them. I I expect to see their games turn around as well under Cassidy's team. So, um, I, I, I just think this is the turnaround game more than the last two like this is the game that you want them to win more than anything right and it'll give you that confidence going on later into the season knowing that you beat the Habs because we all know when they lose to them they probably lose the next game and the next game after that so that's a good point that is a good point um I think it's time for some... Oh, oh, you know what? I found this stat online from Bruins Stats on um, on Twitter. Yeah. And I thought it was familiar. And I'm not into the whole fancy stats and so on, but I'm trying to work my way into it and kind of... You know, I'm not good with the numbers, blah, blah, blah. But um, if I see something, I'd like to say something about it. Uh, and you can find uh, Bruins Stats uh, at... Bruins underscore stats on Twitter. And the NHL Corsi leaders, have you seen this one? No. Oh, this is great. This is great. Um, And for those that don't know what Corsi is, Corsi is shot attempts, shots missed, and shots blocked. 
and Fenwick, which is another way of uh, math terminology, is shots and missed shots. So uh, I thought, just thought I'd a PDO is the sum of teams five versus five shooting percentage, the number of goals they score divided by the number of shots on goal they generate, and their 5.5 save percentage is. Uh, number of shots their goalies stop divided by the number of shots on goal they allow. So, just not if, if in case anybody needs to know what we're talking about. But yeah. I have a list of, of six six players, and five of them at the top of, of Bruins. So the NHL Corsi leaders are at sixty two percent Patrice Bergeron in the number one spot. At sixty one percent in the number two spot, Brad Marchand. At 60%, number three, uh, Colin Miller. And 59% at number four, Tory Krug. And 59% at number five is David Pasternak. And the number six, which is not a Bruin, at 57% is uh, LA Kings' Ange Kopitar. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, it definitely is to see that many of our players at the top. Right. So, we're getting into a whole hour. So, I think it's time for some uh, Bruins prospect update. Yeah. The uh, AHL Providence Bruins had three games last week. Uh, started off on Tuesday night against the Albany Devils at Times Union Center. Uh, they Providence won four to one. Uh, goals by Alex Grant, Anton Bleed, Jordan Swars, and uh, Peter Mueller. Uh, Anton Hudobin got the win. A seven-three and one. This is before he got called up. And the next game after that was Friday night uh, against the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. The Providence Bruins lost at home, one to nothing. Uh, no scoring in the first period. No scoring in the second. And in the third period, late, uh, Bridgeport gets a goal. Uh, Malcolm Subban takes the loss and uh, Yaroslav Halak played in that game and he looked pretty damn good taking the win yep, someone that we should be uh, 
look it up. There's rumors about it floating around there, but oh, it's one yeah. of those sites that I don't trust at all. So, and I'm not going to mention yeah. it because I'm not like that. <laughs> um, on Saturday night, which is last night at Webster Bank Arena, the Pro- Providence Bruins played the uh, Bridgeport Sound Tigers and uh, lost five to four in a shootout. Um, goals by Curley and Grant. Tommy Cross and Colton Hargrove all got involved. Um, and this game went to uh, Zane McIntyre, which even though they went to a shootout loss, he still remains undefeated on the season at 11-0-1. That is amazing. Right? So um, those are the games that they played last week. Last week, uh, they're playing right now uh, against the um, Springfield Falcons, and they're winning one and nothing in the second period. Um, but with Providence, now they play 49 games. They're 27, 13, five and four with 63 points. They're 12 points behind Atlantic Division leading Wilkes-Barre, Scranton Penguins. Uh, like I said, Alex Grant had two goals last week in three games played. Uh, the journeyman defenseman has a chance to break his career high of 42 points, which was last season. Uh, this year he has 11 goals, 20 assists, 31 points in 45 games. Uh, Tommy Cross had a goal and two assists last week. The captain of the Baby Bees has eight goals, 15 points, 20. I'm sorry, eight goals, 15 assists, 23 points in 48 games played. Malcolm Subban went one and one in two games last week, giving up. One goal in each game, earning a uh, .960 save percentage in the average of both games. Uh, he's been playing pretty good lately. Uh, he just can't get the wins going. Uh, this season, he's six six wins, ten losses, five overtime losses. He's got a 2.52 goals against and a .917 save percentage. So his goals against average is definitely going down, and his save percentage is going up. Uh, after 22 yeah. games, so. But it, like we've said in the past, it's a long road back when yeah. it comes to save percentage and goals against. Absolutely. So. Uh, yeah. Going back on Zane McIntyre, uh, he has a, he's undefeated at 11-0-1, like I said, but he's got a 1.63 goals against and a 9.44 save percentage in 14 games played. Uh, East Coast Hockey League uh, Atlanta Gladiators goaltender Dan Vladar appeared in one game last week and um, suffered a 5-3 to three loss to the hands of the Florida Everblades seems like these guys play with each other all the time um, he continues to struggle as he's given up 25 goals in his last 6 games uh, this season he's 3-4-1-1 one, one with a 3.89 goals against and a .883 Safe percentage in nine games played. So his his struggles continue. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna freak out yet. Um, this 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 happens. I like I said in uh, two or three podcasts prior when he was with the AHL, this kid was really doing it. So I yeah. think I think once he surrounds himself with better players in front of him, I think you're gonna get the best Vladar. And um, yeah. yeah. So I, I just think that uh, the 
like I said before, the Atlanta Gladiators just aren't well-structured for him to completely get the best out of his development, but he's working hard, so there's, there's, there's positives down the road. Definitely. Uh, the OHL, uh, Zach Senishin of the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds had a goal in all three games last week to extend his point streak to four games. Um, this season, he's got 33 goals, 13 assists, 46 points in 45 games played. I watched a couple of his games last week, and he is looking very good. In the queue, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, I've only got one because Jeremy Lawson hasn't really done anything much to warrant a mention. Uh, Jakob Sporl, the St. John Sea Dogs, snapped an impressive season high seven-game point streak where he had three goals, seven assists, ten points uh, in last night's 3 to nothing shutout to Shawinigan. This season, he's got nine goals, 22 assists, 31 points in 35 games. That was a very impressive uh, streak he had going on when uh, three straight games, he had a goal and an assist. So, And he's becoming that good two-way defenseman again. Yeah, like I was I was telling uh, somebody on Twitter uh, last night, they asked me about him and his progression because they've also yeah. heard that he's one of those players that um, – does the roller coaster? He really works hard on certain things of his game, but then the next year he works on stuff that really aren't like his strong points. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where he struggles, but yeah. th- this year he seems like he's he's really um, putting in hard work, uh, pro level training. Uh, because I believe that uh, if he doesn't make the NHL roster next year, he's definitely eligible to play AHL, like you said earlier. Yeah. So uh, I think he's really preparing himself for that transition, and uh, the offensive numbers um, this year are really good, and uh, I like the way he's pinching in. So a lot of positive things. I know last year he played a very defensive game, but I remember seeing, like... A comment from his coaches that were saying that the Bruins had asked him to try and play more of a defensive game, right? Because his plus minus wasn't that great, and I think he'd been known to give up a few, like uh, not being great on the back end, like later on in his shifts, and they wanted to see him like solidify that. So his points went down last season, but it is definitely good to see him start scoring goals and putting up assists as well. Right. And I, I I really like this defenseman. I like the way he's going to be fit into the organization. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, with, with, with the trade deadline coming up soon, um, the his name's heavily involved in, in trade talk as uh, a guy that can be expendable because of the other developmental talents that could fill in a spot if he's if he's actually moved so see um, I honestly think that he's the guy to take that third pair in next season right because if you look at the right side now you kind of showed up because you got you got four guys with Carlo uh, both the Millers and McQuaid all being right handed shots um and at the moment, you've got Kevin Miller playing the left side along with Colin Miller. And then you've got Tory Krug and 
uh, Chara as your left-handed defenseman. And I honestly think that um, Joe Morrow is probably going to walk to free agency next year. Yeah, that's what I'm guessing too. Just from either his playing time. Taking a Providence. Yeah, either that or taking doing what Matt Bartowski's done and go back down to Providence. On a one-year. And play some time down there. Yeah. Because, I mean, I don't think he's going to walk into any other NHL team around the league. Um, if he's struggling to make the Bruins' defense core, you know that he's not playing to his best of abilities. Right. Um, well, the, so, sad, the real yeah, sad part about that whole situation is 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 the organization and management want to want to play their top dollar defenseman, and right now. Morrow is a, uh, I believe, under a million dollars. So he's pretty much like expendable. Yeah. But to be that seventh guy, that's gonna pretty much watch all the time. But if you know, I, I believe if he was a two million dollar player, he'd definitely be getting a lot more time. Oh yeah, and I think we've seen we've seen that with guys like Kevin Miller, especially when coming back from injuries. I think he could have spent a bit of time on the shelf after coming back from his injury, but sure. he was rushed back in. Right. So, I mean, I don't know if it's a trust issue with Morrow. I, I thought he played really good the last game he actually played. I thought he did too. Um, yeah, he was getting good shots to the net and moving the puck well, and I think that's what they were asking of him. So, uh, I, I don't know what he can do. I don't know whether his fate's like sealed and they just want him to leave now. But it's too bad. He's he's not going to get you much in value of trade. Right. So I think he's a guy that will just walk. And uh, just to finish up real quick on the uh, prospect update, um, yeah. the WHL that Jesse Gabriel, the Prince George Cougars, had a goal and two assists last week. Uh, he's got 26 goals, 21 assists, 47 points, and 46 games played. And the NCAA, I only have two um, because no nobody else really has been lighting it up or creating any noise. I mean, but uh, both of them are from Wisconsin. And uh, the first one is uh, 2016 first-round pick, Trent Frederick of the Badgers. I uh, had two assists in Friday night's game against Penn State and added another helper in last night's game against Penn State. He's now on a four-game point streak and has eight points in his last four games. That's awesome. Yep, and Cameron Hughes of the Wisconsin Badgers continues. Every week we've been, we've been talking about this kid, and um, his streak continues. His streak is now at 10. Uh, he's currently on an NCAA career high 10 game point streak where he's contributed 4 goals 8 assists, 12 point numbers in that time frame this season in 26 games played he's got 6 goals 19 assists and 25 points so he's he's pretty much taken advantage of the second half of this uh, NCAA collegiate cocky season and really you know Pushing the points and really, you know, yeah. he's 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 third behind Trent Frederick uh, for the uh, lead, the points lead in Wisconsin Badger uh, team stats. So that's awesome. Yep, um, I believe he's a junior right now, so there's a possibility that he could be coaxed out of um, uh, college early to probably jump into the AHL next season. 
uh, which wouldn't be a bad thing because he is a very crafty player, big kid too. Uh, yeah, you know, so he's he's a good along the boards, uh, scrappy player, um, really gets under your skin, and then and it's it really does. If you look at the if you look at the the roster and all the prospects coming up, there's a lot of players that have the skill, they have the speed, but they have that gritty style too. So it's not just it's not one way or the other. I mean, it seems like they're drafting players that are a complete package per se. Yeah, and um, it. it definitely seems like they're going along that route of big body but have some skill as well. Right. Like like Leheric, like uh, like guys around the league that are doing that. I mean um, Zach Sineshin is quite a tall guy. He is. He's not, not a short guy. 6'2", um, 202. Yeah, and I mean he can still pack some muscle onto that body. So uh, like does he get bigger and become a more all-round player as well? I don't know. But I know he's very offensive-minded right now in his career. So, but I, I'm I'm excited because I think I think the Providence lineup's going to be a hell of a lot different next year. Oh, I'm so excited. I really am. Because yeah. you got the, you got Saboral, you got Sinishin, you got Lausen, you got Gabriel that are all ready for that transition. So I could definitely see players like, unfortunately, Tommy Cross, uh, Matt yeah. Bartowski. Yep. Um, uh, Chris Casto, Tyler, uh, Tyler Randall, obviously, um, Zach Ronaldo. I mean, there's going to be players that are going to be, you know, subtracted to make way for these these kids and I'm, I'm seriously looking forward to it. Uh, I gotta write an article about the next next year's team, what it could look like because and I'm gonna I'm gonna list out all the lines and everything because that's that's gotta be an interesting conversation for us sometime soon. Is uh is Linus Arneson down there right now? He's injured. Or is he still? Uh, and I'm yeah. not sure. The, the AHL is very tough to get any information out of. Uh, the easiest yeah. thing to do is their transactions, which they update daily, but injuries are so hard. Uh, I try to reach out to a lot of people that are surrounding the team, uh, but um, I don't get a lot of response because I'm probably not the type of person that has that blue check mark <laughs> next to his name, so I don't yeah. get the respect I need or, or should get as a as a fan and a, and a person trying to relate news on a weekly basis, yeah. but I don't know. Maybe it's the pay grade. Probably. <laughs> what do you think? Do, do you think <laughs> if I, I do you I, think I, if I tell these people I make eighty grand by doing a podcast, they might give me a little more respect? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm doing it. Just uh, <laughs> just walk in. Slap I'm gonna, the numbers down on the table. I'm gonna put it on my on my uh, my personal Twitter account. Which is uh, at at Black and Gold two seven seven. I'm gonna be like eighty grand solid. Talk to me. <laughs> Talk to me. Uh, I know Linus Arneson is one of those guys that a lot of the coaches say is gonna be something special. Um, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it's really struggling with yeah. like the North American game. He's got good size. I mean, yeah. he's a solid kid. Uh, I just I just think that. You know, he, kind of, he reminds me of a Wiley Sherman, and a yeah. and 
a, a, a step down Rob O'Gara. Yeah, he's um, he could be a late bloomer though, because he's only what I think he's twenty-two as well. Yes, is he? Yep. Yeah. So I mean, the, there's guys out there that don't like. When did Radko Gudas like enter the league? I'm sure he was like. Oh, well, no, actually, he's the guy that actually looks 40, but he's 25 or something. Yeah, right. But there's other guys around the league that have entered the league in the late 20s and become a solid defenseman for the last five, six, seven years of their career. Yep. So, I mean, there's still time for a guy like that. But at the same time, if he's respected that much by his coaches, if if like other coaches around the league have heard this he could become a valuable trade chip as kind of that quiet guy in the background as like a like how we got Colin Miller Mm -hmm. type thing so I mean there's the possibilities out there but I'm so excited for Providence next season Uh, well I'm excited for them this season to be honest yeah because I I think they're going to go yeah I think they're going to go far and I think they'll I think with their gritty style, they'll probably get deep into the playoffs. Um, I, I, I hope so, because the last three seasons, they've been, I mean, last year wasn't the greatest year, and the year before that wasn't great either. They're, they're slow starts, but when their calendar year turns over, they seem to really make that push. But they get in the first round, and they seem to meet this damn Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins team oh, God, yeah. so often and they're out of it in the first round. And, and we they're, a, they're a powerhouse. They are. Uh, Wilkes-Barre yeah. Scranton is a very good team. But you know what? You know what's sad about uh, the AHL and and, and and I know it's for travel reasons and so on, but the, the first round is, uh, is three out of five. Yeah. And then the second round, they go four out of seven, and the third round, and then obviously they call the cup final. They do four out of seven, but just to speed things up and weed everything out, they do the three out of five first, and and that, that, you know that doesn't always work for travel reasons. And also, believe it or not, due to travel reasons, there's always not the um, the home ice advantage involved either, yeah. because the the Bruins have gotten screwed before. Baby bees have gotten screwed before about that. So when they've been the better team, and they've only had one home game, while you know they went to another team and had two home games, I didn't find that correct at all. Yeah, I just don't think. I'm hoping that they don't go along the lines that they did last season, where they started putting junior players into the roster at yeah. the end of the year yeah. and I, I just think if your team's doing well and they're going to make the playoffs keep them as a complete unit don't you know, don't sit any guys just to play a junior player who's going to play one or two games I do have to, I, I do have to agree with you there I I have seen it in the past Jake DeBrusque did it last year yeah. Gabriel played some games Carlo uh, yeah. Sinitian was up but never played I, I like the idea that when they when they're done with their um, with their obligation with their junior team, that they come to the Providence Bruins. But you know what? Be there to learn to continue to learn the experience of how to be a pro. Work out with these guys to get the experience of how to tone your body and prepare yourself. But you're yeah. right, though. You're absolutely right. 
that the guys that have been there for 76 games shouldn't be sat down because of draft status. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm not thrilled about that. As much as I want to see these kids jump in there, see how they play, so I can evaluate at each level. Because my evaluations happen whether you're in college, whether you're in your Canadian juniors or the AHL. It's just from what I see. So, yeah. you know, the more the more levels I can see them actually playing at as I can take my notes and, 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 and continue my file on them on every level of progression that they, they do. So, yes, I, I'm addicted to hockey. I have a wicked addiction. I got the IVs tapped. It's crazy. It's, uh, yeah. Well, I could be doing it's worse things. It's going to be the death of you one day. Well, yeah. You know what I mean? I could be doing worse things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't. When are we gonna talk next? Um, because we got the fable bye week next week, which is six days of no Bruins hockey. Yeah. Um. So I, I'm not sure. I don't know whether there's a game on the Sunday, isn't there? Sunday night. Yeah, that's that's with the beginning of the West Coast trip. Yeah. So whether what? you want to do it on the Monday. We could, we or, could, either or, it doesn't matter to me. I'm available yeah. whenever. We so we could we could do it on the Monday, and then we got chance to talk about the game on the Sunday plus the Montreal game. Okay. Um, and I think that's the best way of going about it because I, I really believe it's going to be a slow news week when it comes to the Bruins. Okay. Um, I don't think, like I was saying the other week about the possibility of a trade happening during the bye week, I really don't think there will be now. With the coaching change, um, oh, nice! Providence just went up three to nothing in the second period. That's uh, awesome. Yep. Um, uh, we do definitely have to incorporate sometime uh, some um, some trade talk. Yeah. Maybe even some um, expansion draft talk. Yeah. So I mean, there there is stuff to th- to talk about if we if we run out of uh, out of topics, but and um, yeah. Maybe take advantage of the slow week and um, maybe compile some questions from the um, from our listeners, our awesome listeners. Definitely, so, I think that's a really good idea. Yeah, so I'll uh, I'll definitely post something if I do a question, um, or you can definitely reach out to us. Um, I'm Mark and I'm at Black and Gold two seven seven. Rob is at Rob Forty Bruins. And you can follow our podcast account at black, the letter N, gold, P-O-D. And if you uh, enjoy the show and you'd like to donate even a dollar per episode, which would be $4 a month, uh, please go to www.patreon.com slash blackandgoldhockeypodcast. That is www.patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast um and we oh i forgot to go we're available on apple itunes we're available on google play we're available on soundcloud and stitcher radio and we're also and i didn't even know this but we're also available on player fm which is some player that i never signed up for but all our episodes are there so (laughs) There's plenty of <laughs> plenty of avenues to find us. Um, I guess that's it. Yeah. 
Thank you very yeah. much to all the listeners. We, um, yeah. I know I forgot last week, but I just looked at the numbers this morning while I was prepping for the show, and we were at 10,941 listeners. That's awesome. It's growing. Nearly 11,000 already. It's growing. So yeah. it's great, and I love it, and I'm not going to stop it. So And Montreal game tonight. Big yes. win. Got to happen. Yeah, I'm. Let's I'm get... feeling good about this. I'm feeling the. You know, let's go three for three before the uh, five game road West Coast trip after the yeah. uh, the uh, the the bye week. So, and just to let you know that there is a Bruins coach right now that is a hundred percent on the season. It's insane. Yeah. But. Um, <laughs> Butch Cassidy and the Marshand kid <laughs> will keep it. riding into the sunset. <laughs> so, oh, someone's got to make a picture of that. It'll be so funny. <laughs> but it'll just be like, it'll be Bruce Cassidy with a hat on and then just a hat on top of a nose. <laughs> like, oh my God. The nose I face wish, killer. Yeah, I wish I had the skills to do this kind of thing on my computer. Right. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Everyone have a good week. Oh, and, and yeah, I forgot. I'm um, sorry. Go ahead, Rob. Uh, I was just going to say, have a good week. Hope everyone enjoys the game tonight, and we'll see you on the Monday. Absolutely. And one more thing, I I cannot forget is our sponsor, Beast from the Northeast uh, Sports Clothing Company. Um, they have been very good. I, again, I, as I said in the beginning of the show, you could type in Black and Gold. Uh, in the promo code area to get 15% off you go to beastfromthenortheast.bigcartel.com and uh, get your fan gear you got some really good stuff so check them out thank you very much everybody and uh, we'll talk to you very soon next week for another discussion of Bruins hockey-related material.